fascinating gadgets. Gizmos. And gear based technologies. All right, welcome to the show. I am the analytical mastermind, Daniel J. Glenn. And of course, I'm sitting with my favorite theoretical physicist, um, the newly minted certified genius, Dr. Michael Denon, uh, also sci-fi and superhero scientist. I should mention that. Denon, thanks for being on the show. Great to be here. And I think every rocket scientist is, is a mystery. All of history's greatest rocket scientists are men of mystery. And uh, ours is no different. He works at an undisclosed location. He can neither confirm nor deny his employer and is probably paid through some black ops program. He is our enigmatic engineer, Ben Seepser. Ben, can you confirm any of the information that I just said? I, I didn't hear anything. All right. Thanks for being <laughs> on the program. <laughs> and, and rounding out our brain trust is Caltech's mystery, uh, mistress of microbes, <laughs> the Baroness of Bacterial Biology, Dr. Brittany Needham. Brittany, thanks for being on the program today. Thanks for having me. So I'm going to start off this show by asking a very important question. Uh, we all live in a household. Uh, we all have gadgets that we love. What is your favorite household gadget that makes your life easier? Um, ben, I'm going to start with you. Well, being in L.A., I'd say it's the in-unit laundry. That, mm. That's really, that's a great gadget, just being able to wash your clothes and leave them in the dryer and not worry about it. That's great, yeah. I, <laughs> You know, it, I wouldn't think of that as a gadget. I always think of the, but it is, I guess. Uh, that fits. I'm, I'm going to allow that. And I completely agree with you. I did not think about that, but I, I think that's incredible. Um, in unit washer, uh, Denon, what, what about you? So my favorite gadget has to be our chopper thingy. You know, the, the anything that makes it so I don't have to sit there and cut over and over with a knife that I can just put something in it and and chop it up into little pieces when I'm cooking do you have so uh, what, what's your favorite is it like a whack chop isn't that one of them or I, like I don't a, know what this one's called I apologize but it, it's like it's almost like a mini blender but it's more of a chopper and I particularly use it when I make salsa got it's it. critical for that sure and guacamole yeah as well um all right you don't like to chop uh Brittany your favorite Maybe my spiralizer. You can take anything and turn it into thin curly Q noodles. Take like anything? Well, like zucchini, any any vegetable. Oh. You can make curly fries out of anything. So how thick is the, the spiral liker maker? Uh, you can choose, but you can like a spaghetti noodle or That's thicker. incredible. I've never heard of this before. Well... <laughs> what, you well, get out well, more? Yeah, now, now, now you yeah. have one now. <laughs> yeah, all right. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, I love I love the uh, the toaster oven. I think the toaster oven has kind of revitalized the way I cook. I don't like setting up the oven. I love a toaster oven. Um, if anyone cared, that's what I'm going to say. But I think if we're really talking about household gadgets here, I think the one that has probably changed the world in people's minds anyway is the Mr. Fusion attachment from Back to the Future. This idea of having incredible portable energy that takes um, a beer can, some beer, and a banana peel to power. That's an incredibly kind of romantic idea, especially if you're into energy generation. I uh, hope you guys agree with me. Now, let's talk about how this thing could be possible. Um, is it possible? Are we doing this today? That's the question I want to ask. I know that we've obviously done cold fusion in a bathtub. I have read internet articles before. <laughs> Is that, is that possible to do in my bathtub? Then I'm going to you first. Uh, unfortunately not. Um, but so I, 
you know, from the physics of Mr. Fusion, it, it has two interesting directions and questions. So the, the real, so we haven't even made a big fusion reactor yet. And, and so let's be clear to our audience. We have nuclear fission. Mm -hmm. That's when you split atoms and get energy. And you have nuclear fusion. That's when you put them together and get energy. And nuclear fission is what we do in nuclear power so plants. So nuclear fission right, yeah. is what we do in power plants. Um, both of those have been used to make bombs. So we have both fission and fusion bombs. Um, so we do know how to do nuclear fusion. Um, that's the hydrogen bomb. Mm -hmm. But what we don't really know is how to control nuclear fusion. We know how to control nuclear fission. That's why you can get a nuclear reactor out of fission. So there's two stages to getting um, the Mr. Fusion. One is first figure out how to do nuclear fusion, and then two is how to make it small. Um, but there are a lot of really cool things being done to try and get fusion, and we can talk about that some more. The other fascinating thing, just real quickly, yeah. and then I'll let others comment about Mr. Fusion, though, the fuel source is odd, mm -hmm. right? If you're going to do fusion, you wouldn't need to refuel it. Mm -hmm. the, the point of fusion is with just a little bit of fuel, it lasts for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of things we name because they sound cool, but they actually do something different. And it could be really cool that if this was a more standard energy generating device that you were burning stuff, that it used weird and interesting fuel and got a lot more energy out of it. So that's another cool direction to go. So you could actually think about a technology that gave you a lot of energy out of banana peels and beer, mm -hmm. but wasn't strictly speaking fusion, but it gave you so much more for a marketing ploy, I would call it Mr. Fusion. Yeah, so I we can kind you. of go those two directions depending on how people want. So that's where I'm at with Mr. Fusion to start with. Yeah, I agree with you. I think we're probably gonna end up that it is a, a brilliant marketing strategy on, on the future of Black & Decker. But let's talk, about, let's talk about Fusion itself because I just wanna understand correctly. So Fusion and Fission, they don't actually produce energy that you can use. It produces heat that you turn into energy. Well, it depends whether you think heat is, is energy you can use, but that's exactly right. Basically, okay. what comes out of fission and fusion is heat. So the way we get electricity is through standard, it's just like you were burning coal, right? You need a turbine. So you get electricity generally from spinning a magnet, and you spin the magnet usually by having something spin through a turbine. Often that's steam. You get steam by heating water. So you burn coal, you get steam, it turns to turbine, you get electricity. A fusion or fission reactor, the idea is you're going to generate your heat out of the fusion or fission reaction, and you just get a lot, lot more heat than you get from burning coal, and it lasts a lot, lot longer. So that's how you get electricity. And the Mr. Fusion, the whole goal was to get electricity out so you can power your flux capacitor so you can travel back in time. So you're right. Exactly right, Dan. You nailed the physics. Thank you very much. Now, I do want to say one thing, so I'm going to, I'm going to ask Ben a question in a second. But when you said that it requires you know, refueling, it doesn't make sense because it lasts for a long time. You're talking about going through time. You're talking about breaking the space-time continuum. I'm guessing, although I don't have the math in front of me, that takes quite a bit of energy then. And so maybe well, we do need to refuel this. You might, time. but we've already seen we know that a single lightning strike can get you through time at least once. Okay. And we know how much energy that is compared to, and really what you're talking about power, how much energy you get in a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. um, and your, 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 your fusion and fission, it really is going to... It's more than a bolt of lightning. It's more than a bolt <laughs> of lightning. In terms of, you know, if I look at Mr. Fusion and the amount of fuel it would hold, it's going to get you at least um, a fair number of trips back and forth through time if I know a bolt of lightning is what takes me once. Okay. So. <laughs> fair enough. Um, all right, Ben, what do, you, what do you think about it? Is this possible? Uh, yeah, actually, Denon's, it's, it's a lot more than a few times, actually. Yeah. So I did, if you, if you look 
specifically at what we see in Back to the Future. He pours uh-huh. about half a can of beer and he throws in three banana peels. Uh-huh. And the amount, just if you just take the water in there, you can get to about 10,000 lightning strikes worth of power. Wow. Infusing just the water in those components. So 10,000 lightning strikes in a banana, three banana, is it three banana peels or is it one? Three banana peels. Wow. Did you go back and look? I did. Because people are going to <laughs> fact check you and I'm going to, and I will troll you online. So three banana peels and uh, like I said, a I teaspoon? Th- uh, no, I said it looks like it pours out half a can. Half a can. Okay. All right. And <laughs> 10,000 lightning strikes. Yeah. Okay. Now that assumes all the water in there is, is, is fused when you do that, which of isn't course. something realistic. You can't actually, it'd be very difficult to achieve 100% fusion um, just because of the way fusion works. Fusion mm-hmm. is a, a stochastic process. You get mm-hmm. all this stuff together under really high pressure, high heat, and some of it happens to fuse. So realistically, that's not actually gonna happen unless there's like somehow a like black hole's worth of pressure and <laughs> in the middle of the Mr. Fusion. Mm-hmm. but. Assuming you could get all that energy out, yeah, you can do like 10,000 lightning strikes of power. Well, that's incredible. I will say this. There are people, uh, I got to go against you here, Dan, and you know I don't like doing it because it always bites me in the butt later on, but we we do have working models of fusion. There are fusion uh, generating devices out there. Um, there's the uh, ITER, which is the International Thermonuclear Experimental Reactor, which is which is created. Now they don't. Now they're not powering any grids with this, but they do have it. It is functional. So actually, Dan, you you are right in correcting me in one point. We can generate fusion. We just haven't made it useful yet. Right. So okay. I apologize for that okay. for that credit. error. That's all right. Now I'll allow it. <laughs> um, and th- and also the UK uh, uh, Tokamak Energy created a plasma just this past May on their ST40. Uh, model, and they said there's a re- very real possibility by 2030 they could be powering Britain's um, electrical grid with this, which this is incredible stuff. So it's out there. Um, but So let's just say this isn't fusion, okay? It is biologically based of some kind, right? So I'm going to look to Brittany here. Uh, are there possible ways um, to, to t- generate on a very real level with that kind of organic matter? Can we generate energy with that? Sure. The the energy contained in bonds in biological structures, so the proteins and everything that made up that the beer and the banana, I mean, there's energy there that can be harnessed. I would choose to use bacteria. None of this would be fast, so the bacteria would need time to, to break down the bonds and then to, to generate some sort of fuel that mm-hmm. would then be burned. And you'd have to engineer the bacteria to have any have any drive to actually do this. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta motivate them. You gotta motivate the bacteria. <laughs> um, but sure, yeah, people are doing this right now, generating biofuels using bacteria to try to generate complex molecules that can then be used as fuel to be broken down rapidly and to produce heat and energy. Now, I know you didn't do the math, but I'm gonna put you on the spot anyway. So if we u- were to use a fusion reaction, we get 10,000 lightning strikes. So how many lightning strikes of energy can we get out of the same organic material using bacteria. Infinity. Bacteria the best. No, really, I have no idea. <clears throat> I, yeah, no idea there. I need to calculate that. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you time to calculate it while I tell you this. There actually is a bio battery that's at the Fraunhofer Institute in Germany, and they're using, uh, it's a wide rela- range of biological materials that they're using to create this bio battery. And actually, the output is both, it, it's a solid liquid and a gas. They, um, they can produce oil. 
They can produce methane gas, and they're also producing what they call biochar, which is a burnable material. Uh, this is pretty incredible. Do you know about this, Brittany? Uh, only a little bit, just about what you introduced. So, so how so how does this how would this work? Like, if if you were to miniaturize it, could you turn something like that into a usable energy source for a household? Household. Sure. Yeah, you have a basically a culture of bacteria that maybe you have to change out. You you add new bacteria or give it new media or fuel, the banana peel and beer, you're adding your mm -hmm. new compost. Mm -hmm. So it, it sounds a lot like a specialized compost pile mm -hmm. that you're harnessing for more than just to produce good soil. Yeah. Well, you know, and I know you love bacteria. I'm, I'm a big fan of nature myself, but I think a lot of people, especially here in America, you want that, you know, you want that 450 engine, right? Like bacteria takes takes a while to do this. It doesn't produce quite the electricity you want. People want these fusion reactions because those are exciting. Um, now, is that is there some combination of both that we can use? I think the answer to a real legitimate Mr. Fusion kind of lies in both. Um, I don't know if we can have a controlled fusion reaction, but I think it's part biobattery. I think it's using the bio waste. I think having it in a small container, miniaturizing it is also really important. But I think all we have the elements in the world. Would you guys agree with that? I think the pieces are what I'd be curious to see with with like the bacteria and the bio solution. So what you talked about, Dan, was, you know, the using the bacteria to, to, to make a chemical reaction to take something that doesn't burn easily and create something that burns easily and get the energy out from burning. Um, but we also know biology does move ions around and ions are basically electricity and that's basically batteries. Um, I don't know much about what, what you mentioned. Um, one of them you actually called the bio battery, which I hadn't heard of before, but I think that would be a fascinating direction to go where you, where you skip the step of having to burn to make steam, to turn a turbine, to make electricity, right? You go right to some biological battery in the in the real sense of a battery moving ions around and creating electricity um, you might not get the power needed to go back in time mm -hmm. but you asked a question about powering your house sure um, that might happen more importantly it could be a really cool battery for the thing most people care about their cell phone and their laptop Okay. Right. That that could because you don't need a lot of power. You want a because the power is how fast you get the energy out. What you need is long term, like battery life. And I'm wondering if bacteria could just give us a slow and steady long term battery that maybe a uh, snake a banana peel in every now and then, and your phone just keeps running. Sure. Well, you know, I think because that's really miniaturizing it. I, yes. I, so, you know, let, let's keep it on the car for a second. So maybe it's not going through time, right? Like, let's, that's fantastical. That's ridiculous. Why are we even talking about that? <laughs> but let's take, the, let's take the Mr. Fusion, and let's say it was powering your Tesla, for example, right? Could we use an attachment like this to power a car battery? Um, and, and, well, I have another question after that, but is that, is that possible? I'm looking at Ben here. By that, you mean an electric car battery? Of course, that's what <laughs> okay. I mean. Well, you could, I mean, it, this thing produces gas and methane, so you could right. use it to do both. Yeah, so that's actually, that idea too. that's actually a more, that's potentially a more interesting route is you get the waste heat from the decay of the organic matter into the methane, but, and you also get you know, a little bit of electricity, which lets you, you know, light a spark to light the methane. Mm -hmm. And that might be more feasible because just electric cars take a lot of power. Mm -hmm. It 
you know, you, you look at a Tesla, the, the entire bottom of the car is a battery and it's, you know, like six or so inches thick mm-hmm. of that's, that's takes a lot of power, but it, it, gas is very energy dense. It doesn't take a lot of methane to move a car, move a car for a pretty long distance. So it definitely makes sense to me to have a compost system where you're both extracting a little bit of electricity and a little bit of gas and mm-hmm. using that to power your car. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask one other question. This just popped into my head. This is for you, Brittany, and you may not know the answer. But so from what I understand, to do a fusion reaction, let's just go back to that for one second. I just want to clear something up. So you need um, deuterium and, tr- and tritium, with the, the two and the three. What is that? Deuterium. 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 I can never pronounce that correctly. Deuterium. So you need that, which is actually difficult to create, right? Can you engineer um, a bacteria to produce deuterium? Let's see. If it can be done enzymatically, then you can then you can do it with bacteria. Can it be done enzymatically? I'm looking around. That that's going to be tough. Is Cause, it? Because because most enzymatic actions are working on the electrons and then working on com- combining and recombining, you know, atoms and molecules without actually changing the nucleus. The enzymes mm-hmm. very rarely work on the nucleus directly. That would be an intense enzyme. That would be intense. Yeah. And that's your, now it turns out like a Trialpha, uh-huh. which is a company. The only time I know anything like factual of the show. Wow, this is, I've uh, never heard this before. Um, citing a source. <laughs> citing a source um, because they happen to be a spinoff from UCI. Oh, okay. So I have an Cheap insider's plug. track to that. Right. Cheap plug there for UCI. Yeah. But Trialpha go is working. Soon. Yeah, go anteaters. Zot, zot, zot. Um, they're looking at um, other, there are other paths to fusion besides the standard deuterium tritium path, okay. which is what all the examples you mentioned, you know, these large um, tokamets and things work on that. There's, you can get fusion out of slightly more complicated nuclei that are rare, but um, easier to use perhaps. One of the fascinating things about those is they don't have radiation byproducts. Mm. It's an interesting fusion reaction that occurs, which if I'm making my Mr. Fusion in my car and I'm actually going to leverage a little fusion, yeah. that would be a nice solution. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're making progress as well. And I think they can get some level of fusion. Again, they're not at break even. They're not really generating net electricity yet. Yeah. And that, that is the problem with fusion at the moment. We can make it happen. We just don't get out more energy than we put in, which is what fission does for us. Gosh, you also no. don't necessarily need deuterium and tritium. Right. Anything will fuse with enough pressure. You might not get a good energy pathway out of it, but mm-hmm. the advantage of the deuterium and the tritium is that it has a, it has a much lower initiation energy than other fusion types, so that you don't need as high pressure and temperature to get it to actually um, to fuse, and it has an easy path to the next molecule, which is helium. Got it. So, but you don't have to do it that way. So just the easiest path. It's, path it's the easiest. It, it makes it, it from from a technical perspective, it's the easiest because it allows us to make it. It's it's a lot more feasible to make a plasma that can fuse deuterium and tritium than it is to make a plasma that could just fuse straight up hydrogen and water. Got it. Because okay. So if a byproduct is helium, can that power our cars as well as give us flying cars, make them float? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> That's but, a really interesting question. So, yeah, is that possible? I mean, you obviously would have to bring down the weight of the car, right? Yeah. Well, the, in some ways, you'd actually want to reuse the helium as kind of a breeder reaction. So you're not 
don't have as much input. A breeder reaction? Yeah. So it's like kind of a complicated cycle where you keep All right. reusing it as a um, as kind of a catalyst to the fusion reaction, mm -hmm. and that way you're not you're consuming a lot less material. But it fusion is is basically the only way helium is created. So if as as some people know on this planet, helium is actually a very is a finite resource, and we will run out of helium eventually mm -hmm. if we keep mining it the way we do. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways, we throw it out. Like helium, for the most part, comes from uh, is an is a byproduct of natural gas mining and mm -hmm. natural gas extraction. And a lot of the times, because helium is really hard to capture, we just let it float off, and then it floats to the top of the atmosphere and gets blown off into space, and mm -hmm. we lose it mm -hmm. permanently. So. Another good thing about fusion is it could potentially replenish our helium stocks, which we can't do now. So you want to take it out of the car and make it not a flying car anymore and just hang on to it so we can fill party balloons? Well, or use it to pressurize rockets or use it to um, or cool it down and make liquid helium, which is how we make MRIs work and mm -hmm. superconductors. And, you know, helium is a very important material on our planet and we don't have a way to make it right now. Wow. Okay. Um, so I think we've arrived at a solution, though. I think we have. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. So we have Mr. Fusion is actually um, a, strat a strategic marketing ploy by Black & Decker, and the actual machine is a quasi-bio battery that we can use to power a car that maybe harnesses the power, definitely harnesses the power of bacteria to create incredible energy. Not quite 10,000 lightning strikes of fusion, but enough to either power a car, create helium to make it float, or to power your household. We're there. Are we in agreement? Sure. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've just solved another problem. This is great. We brought another incredible thing to life. Um, you guys did it. Thank you very much for this. Thank you. No problem. Uh, and I want to thank everyone for listening to this. Um, if you have any questions on any of the stuff here, which I'm sure you will, you're going to want to get in touch with us. There's a couple easy, easy ways to do that. Uh, Denon, how can people get in touch with you? So you can find me on Twitter at Denon Michael. Um, and I'm also on Facebook at Prof, P-R-O-F, Denon Michael. Got it. Ben, what about you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at bseepser. That's B-S-I-E-P-S-E-R. And, uh, and Biddy383, how can people get a hold of you? <laughs> so I'm Instagram at Biddy383. Oh, weird. Uh, <laughs> or email bneedham at caltech.edu. And I am on a couple different places. Um, it gets very confusing because nothing's consistent. Um, I am at Facebook at, at Analytical Mastermind, on Twitter at Daniel J. Glenn, and Instagram, the Daniel J. Glenn. Uh, we did it again, guys. Thank you very much. And I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a good night. Hold on. Wait a second. We have an addendum to this episode. Some new stuff has come to light since the recording of this episode and the publication of this episode in regards to the scene where Doc Brown comes back from the future and then uses random garbage to power Mr. Fusion. I got an addendum because as promised, Ben, I went back over the footage and I looked. Yeah. And there's actually two different versions of that scene one with four banana peels, and that's the original Back to the Future at the end when they when Mr. Fusion is seen for the first time. Yes. And then they reshot it in Back to the Future 2, and there's three banana peels, and I believe that's the one yeah. you were talking about. Am I correct? That's correct. Well, actually, if you freeze frame on the, the garbage can, uh -huh. you can see there's nine peel segments. <laughs> and yeah. I don't know who actually peels their banana all the way down and breaks it into three pieces, <laughs> right. but you see nine of those pieces. So... 
<laughs> I didn't notice that. I'm going to go back and look. There may be an additional addendum to our addendum um, to see how many slices, uh, peels of banana are actually in the yeah. garbage can versus back. Doc Brown, Brown also roots around in there a little bit and it cuts. <laughs> sure. So he might have pulled some from under the egg carton, too, that you don't see in the first shot. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. But the important thing that I like to deliver the accurate answers. And so we said going on the assumption that there were three banana peels. You yes. gave us a number of lightning strikes, but let's review that math really quickly. And then how is it adjusted sure. for the four banana peels that actually occur in Back to the Future 1? Well, so it turns out that most of the energy um, that we're talking about. So the energy, the calculation I did comes from uh, fusing water. We discount the fact that the water doesn't fuse directly. You have to break it back down into the hydrogen and the oxygen, and then you throw the oxygen away because oxygen doesn't fuse very efficiently. Um, but that energy is basically nothing compared to the fusion energy. So assuming you had six ounces of water. Mm -hmm. In beer uh, form. In, in beer form. You would get approximately, not approximately, you'd get exactly... 12,177 lightning strikes worth of energy. That's taking an average lightning bolt of about a, about a gigawatt mm. second of energy, or a gigajoule would be the more accurate. Okay. Let's just say 1.21 gigawatt joules. Sure. Let's say that, just to keep the, you know, keep the theme going with Back to the Future. <laughs> sure. So if, okay. we, if we do that, then it's pretty much, it is right on 10,000 strikes. Okay. It, with three banana peels. With, with, no, just from the beer. Oh, just from the beer. I'm just sorry. from the water and the beer. Got it. Each additional, each banana peel, um, banana peels don't have as much water in them as, well, beer. Uh -huh. So, so you only really get probably, it's harder to get, guess the amount of water in the banana peel because it's drying out. You don't, you know, you don't know how long it was in there, but assuming it, you get about uh, 10 grams of water out of each banana peel. Mm -hmm. Assuming that, then you'll get pretty. You'll get 588 lightning strikes of power at the 1.2 gigawatt gigawatt level. Okay. So 588 per banana peel per okay. average size banana peel. Per average size banana peel. Okay. That I got. Yeah. So that times three is, I'm sure you got that really handy. Um, that would be 1,765 strikes. Okay. So that 1,765. So that would be 11,765 65. lightning With strikes. With three banana peels. So that's, so that's Back to the Future 2 energy strikes. Now let's throw right. another banana peel in there. So let's add another. Um, right. What's now that? Right now we're at twelve thousand three hundred and fifty-three. Twelve thousand three hundred and fifty-three. So that's the number of, of lightning strikes that we get in the first movie, which is a significant difference. Um, which is still silly because they go back and forth one time. But there might be something else going on there. Yeah. Um, but I felt that it was absolutely necessary to get the right numbers here, Ben. I wanted to give you a chance to redeem yes. yourself. Thank you. Yeah. And I think you've done a great job, by the way. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, if there's no, if I hope that there isn't any further addendums here. If there are, you're going to find them at the end of the episode. So, Ben, thanks for coming on and clearing your name. No problem. Thanks, thanks for the chance, Dan. You got it, man. Uh, and thank you guys for sticking with us. Uh, have a good night.
fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies is a Glencoe production, and it's produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and tune in. You can even listen to the episodes on the Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies website. That's www.fgggbt. That's F-G-G-G-B-T. And if you like this project, I can almost guarantee you're going to like my other projects. You can check them all out at danieljglenn.com. Thank you for listening.